Welcome to Undefined with Josine Anderson, hosted by yours truly. This is my solo podcast where I get to interview people, something I love to do, really delving into people's lives and their experiences and connecting with them um, and some of their more deeper stories. Um outside of what people typically know me for, which is being uh, an NFL insider. And it's not to say that we don't talk about sports. We do, and we do talk about football. It's just a platform and a show to allow me to more broadly get into other interests as well. On today's episode, um, episode three of season three, we have a very special guest, somebody that I have been trying to track down for a while uh, because you guys know how much I am into uh, fashion uh, and clothes and, you know, just looks and hair and all these other things. And it's not something that I was just into, um, you know, as a result of having a television career and covering sports and all that other stuff. I have been into fashion since my early teens and probably preteens. If you go back to some of my yearbooks from middle school and things like that, you know, your girl was awarded most fashionable in the school and all that other stuff. But anyways, I'm just trying to explain, not pop my collar about it, that I've been into this stuff for a long time. And so Jawara, you know, is the gentleman that we have coming on this show. He is fantastic. He is a multi-hyphenate. Um, he is international. He is global. He is a couture, very much in demand hairstylist who uh, has worked on all the major covers that you have seen. Um, from Vogue to Bazaar to Vanity Fair to everything and has worked with major, major, major A-listers, uh, including Beyonce, Rihanna, Iman, Erica Badu, Bella Hadid, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, Naomi Campbell, Mary J. Blige, and on and on and on and on and on. But he is also the editor at large for ID Magazine, a global ambassador to Dyson Hair. He was just in California. He travels internationally. He's always on a plane and doing something really fabulous, but most of all, artistic. With that, I welcome in my very, very special guest on Undefined with Josina Anderson, Jawara. How are you? Hi. How are you? What's going on? Good to see you. Oh, yeah. So where are you right now? I'm in Brooklyn, New York right now. You're in Brooklyn, New York. But yeah. before that, you were at uh, the Fear I of God left. show, I think, in California, I think I saw. Yeah, I just left uh, California this weekend. And before that, I was in Paris. So I'm all over oh, the place. All over the place. And I'm leaving uh, for Paris tomorrow. So. Oh, you leave for Paris tomorrow. Okay, yeah. we, we, listen, we're going to get into your busy, busy schedule. But before we do, I just wanted to say that my friend Emily B was also out there. She doesn't live too yeah. uh, far from me. Yeah, she was out there doing her thing as well. Obviously, you know, Emily B is a big time stylist in the industry or what have you. She told me she was flying out there and desperately trying to get out of JFK. We actually talked before. <laughs> um, 
she went out there. But yes, I just, first of all, I just want to, uh, you know, connect with you because you and I have a mutual friend and Kofi and uh, yes. obviously and you and I just talked about that off camera but outside of what everybody knows me for which is being um, an NFL insider and all that other stuff I'm, I'm big time into fashion and um, and so you know I came across who you are actually from Kofi he was telling me about you and I started to look more into you and then found out you had a Jamaican background and all this other stuff. So I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get this guy on my show. So we are definitely uh, going to start there. I just want you to first and foremost tell me um, about what current projects you're working on. You mentioned that you were going to Paris. What do you got going on in Paris? I'm working on a project in Paris that I can't mention right now. Oh no, it's top it's secret. Something really, really special, but I'm working on a few things. I'm currently working on a book. Um, that I've been working on for the past four years. Um, I'm also going to be doing the Christopher John Wisen show in New York on Saturday. Um, guys, tune in. Hopefully, you could probably see it on Instagram live or, you know, if you attend the show. Can't uh -huh. wait. Uh huh. And, um, you know, looking out for the Met as well, which is next Monday, I think. Yes, um, it is next Monday. It's all. It's usually like the Monday after the NFL draft. So yeah. Yes, so um, I'm going to be doing some people that I think you guys would be really, really interested. Some very, very special people that you guys would be interested in seeing their looks on the red carpet. So that's a couple of things that I'm working on right now. So can you tell us who you're working with at the Met Gala? You can't tell us who you're working with? No, I wish I could, but I can't. <laughs> so, so tell me, that's really interesting before we get into everything too, because why is, why are the collaborations, especially with your clients before a big event, top secret like that? They don't want, you know, people don't, you know, you don't want them to know that you're working with yeah. them. What is it? A lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people like to work on things in secrecy and with all confidentiality because, you know, it's a better, it's better when it's a, a surprise. A a lot of people know what you're doing. It's kind of anticipated as opposed to just popping up. So um, I do a lot of stuff in secrecy. That's a lot of my work. So. Oh, should I call you like Deep Throat from the Watergate conspiracy? You just be in the background, in the shadow. It's a, I do a lot of things in secrecy. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, in a sense, yeah. You know, so um, yeah, a lot of stuff that you've seen me do, I've, I've had to kind of keep quiet and then just when it appears, it appears. Okay. And then you also mentioned recently you were uh, in Milan. What were you doing in Milan? Um, I was in Milan for Fashion Week doing, I did four fashion shows in Milan um, to hair for different brands like Missoni and, and um, Alberta Ferretti, as well as Philosophy and other brands like that in Milan. So my range goes all over the world. I do fashion shows, I do runway, print, ad campaigns, celebrity, um, it, it, it varies. Mm, I love it. So, you know, obviously a big portion of my audience is sports, but with Undefined, what we do is interview mm. people outside of the realm of what I'm known for. So if you could quickly, Jawara, uh, give me a, like a good picture of the day in the life of you, particularly when you have, you know, a big event or a campaign coming up. So like you said, you have the Met Gala coming up, which is happening after the NFL draft. 
uh, I believe it's May 1st. Um, how would your day start and how would you flow through that day? Uh, okay, so like a day like the Met Gala, it starts weeks before you go back and forth with the talent team. I like I like to say talent because it varies. And I think, I'm not going to give a hint, but I'm glad that you said that you're into sports, but <laughs> you said what now? Nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did I miss? What did I just I, miss? I we go back and forth with the talent team, and you know we talk about the dress and the look, or the outfit and the look, and we go back and forth with the hair. On the day of the Met, um, I meet with my team, and we go to the place where the person is getting dressed, and we prep hair or whatever we're doing um, on the person apply it to them do it with them um make sure they look good on the red carpet follow them through um and then we party the night away <laughs> uh, and then you and then did you just say but, you party after that is that what you just said yeah, the part <laughs> like me that that's that's one client i usually end up having around three clients during the met so mm. not as flush through as like that is but you know it's it's a complicated day for me but i'm i always end up liking the challenge of being able to think about three different ways to make people feel their best mm. and so when you're talking about like the time it takes for you to just prep all your tools and you know i just recently went through a photo shoot nothing like this just from you know my own comps or whatever for my show but you know i'm the makeup artist she she did come in from uh germany and she put together her whole kind of mood board and look board and all that other stuff so yeah. do, do you put together mood boards and, yeah. and all that other how much pre-prep well, even before the day before yeah communication with the talents team is consists of mood boards and what the person is feeling at the moment where they want to go and then you know of course i do a mood board of like where i think we can take it where i think we can go with the hair and the makeup not the hair the makeup sorry mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um it's usually received well and then we go from there and just try to create um it's a really really amazing process there's so much work that goes into the stuff that i think people don't really know that goes behind the scenes you just see uh the person on the red carpet and you're like okay they look great or they don't <laughs> not knowing this took weeks to prepare and oh, teams and ideas and things got scrapped and changes and, you know so it's like a whole that a whole bunch a whole bunch that goes into it and how much also do you pre-consult with the client as far as, you know, making sure it's something or a look that they approve of, or is it fully in your hands, Joar, as far as the whole vision? Well, sometimes it is fully in my hands and sometimes it's a collaboration with the teams, with the artists. It all depends on, you know, what's happening with the person, what they're going through, what they want to convey to the public, how they feel. Um, you know, what's going on in their personal life. So it, it is, there's a lot of communication for sure, for sure, that goes into um, communicating with them how they want to be seen as far as their hair is concerned. Because hair is the most personal thing to us. It's more personal than our clothes, more personal than our makeup. It, it is a part of us, especially people of color, that is um, it's undefinable. We can't even, like you're undefined. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It, undefinable how close it is to us it's like literally a part of us that you know is the window to our soul in a sense so it's really important to you know i think i grew up in a place where if your hair was done mm -hmm. you're okay yeah 
you know, you don't really care about makeup, you don't really care about clothes. If your hair was done, you're good. And I think that for us, it's like that's the most important thing. So, you know, I try to approach every client with that amount of uh, respect and and just, you know, sense like sensitivity as opposed to as as I think hair should be very, you know, handled very delicately, like how you want to see yourself. So, that's mm-hmm. kind of what. Mm-hmm. Is. And it's interesting, too, that you say that because obviously we all feel like our hair is our crown. But Joar, I really don't feel like I understood that to the extent that I did when I lost my hair. So I went through having, you know, alopecia, you know, with stress and all that other stuff. And, you know, you've heard of obviously what Jada Pinkett went through. And, you know, obviously when that moment happened at the Oscars and, you know, some people who really didn't understand alopecia were like, it's just hair. Like, it's not that big of a deal, but. um, It's a big deal to us. Yes. How we see ourselves. It's, It's a part of. You know, hair is a big part of our story. It's a part of us, you know, hair or no hair, I should say, because a lot of people choose to shave it, is definitely a part of your identity, you know? So um, I completely, those subject matters, I take very dear and very, you know, seriously. Yeah, it's very sensitive because for months I couldn't even, you know, part and comb my hair on my own without having, you know, my hairdressers come to my house and, And also, you know, just the, 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 all of the efforts that it, you know, just took to get it back and you, you, you know, it affects everything just, you know, from your relationships, your interactions with, you know, men, whatever, you don't even realize how much until you lose it and how self-conscious you are. And not to say that hair is everything, but what I'm saying is that you realize how, how a part of your identity it has been. And yeah. you can choose that going forward. You know what I mean? hundred percent. It's definitely, I believe it's the windows to our souls in a sense. Um, mm. You know, it affects the way you react. It affects the way you move through the world. Um, hair for us has been a very interesting point of contention. You know, it has, we've been criminalized by our hair mm. we, and, you know, celebrated by our hair. It, 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 holds, it holds so much power. It's not just hair. Um, especially for us. So I get that. And speaking of hair, you are known so much for your whimsical and sculptural creations. Obviously, I've had a chance to just scroll through your Instagram and take a look at some of your work. Can you um, just illuminate for me a lot where are the roots for kind of your inspiration to to those looks, um, whether it be, you know, Jamaican women, um, your international voyages or whatever. I think that, um, well, my, I was raised in Kingston, Jamaica. So started there. And I think it was the height of, no, I think it was the height of the dance hall era in the early nineties, early and mid nineties. And, you know, the hair at that moment in Jamaica was so experimental and structural and eccentric. Mm. And um, I think that's where I fell in love with hair. And I guess as I grew older, being, you know, going to high school in New York City and being, you know, finishing school in New York City, there was, it was a melting pot of so many different cultures in New York. Um, So I just basically pulled from everything that I saw. And, you know, in my later part in life, I traveled a lot because of the career that I chose and I just pulled from every country that I saw. And I think 
for me, it's just comprised of so many different things that I've seen. Um, but the root of it started from the hair culture in Jamaica, from the women. Mm. I thought was so um, experimental and, and just amazing at expressing themselves through hair. Do you, can you think of like one like trip or one woman or one instance that you saw, whether, I don't know, you're in Italy, Jamaica, you know, India, well, I mean, whatever, where you saw some woman and you were like, ooh, and it just really like came into, well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I go ahead and start first with um, the first woman that I felt like that was about was my mom. Mm. And, you know, she's a reggae singer, artist, and the way that she would wear her hair, I thought was always beautiful and interesting. Um, I would watch movies, I'd watch shows. I would look at Grace Jones and Naomi Campbell and Diana Ross and just look at their hair and see like, you know, what they were doing. Then I would go, oh, there's so many, there's so many instances where I see hair. I, one of the things I love to do when I travel is when I get a day off is sit at a restaurant where I can look outside or something facing outside where I could just watch people in the town and just like, you know, people watch, not in a creepy way. <laughs> people watch and just look at the hair because yeah. the hair tells a lot about like what you are, what you do, you know, where you are economically, socioeconomic stance, um, you know, it tells your role in life. So it, hair says a lot about people. And I think if people took the time to actually realize that it's something to be marveled at, you know, everybody would understand why hair is so important. You mentioned that, um, you know, your mom, who is obviously from uh, Jamaica, you were born to Jamaican immigrants. And mm -hmm. and can you just talk to me about, you know, your experience coming up in Jamaica um, and how you feel other than just your mom and your sister, how that also just influenced the career path on a more broad level? Um, My career path was definitely influenced by my mom for sure um my aunt also had a lot to do with it she um was a hairstylist in jamaica mm. and, um, but i think traveling with my mom when they did shows and photo shoots i think it made me it opened up my mind to like the world of entertainment and just like fashion and beauty and art and um, you know, it's an invaluable experience that I feel like really opened my mind. So it definitely had a lot, has a lot to do with the career that I chose and where I decided to go with my life. Um, it's a very rich culture. It's hard to describe it in words. It's super duper, duper rich. And, um, you know, in spirituality and, and divinity and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm very blessed and thankful to be raised in the culture that I was raised in. It's so funny, too, because, you know, when I go to other parts of the Caribbean and obviously my parents are, you know, Jamaican, too. I mentioned to you in our DM conversations, my dad played for uh, the cl Club Jamaica and what have you in soccer. And I've been there uh, many, many times and have fond memories of my cousins running around chasing me with a, a chicken in the backyard and all that other stuff. But <laughs> Thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to even say what part of the chain of the, yeah, I just have some interesting memories and also my grandfather cooking uh, corn porridge for the, for the dogs and throwing it through the gates for the dogs and all that other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you said what? Trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah, making, making the corn porridge and all that other stuff. But what I was just going to say about that too really quickly is just that 
when I think about the energy of Jamaica, it's, it, it is really different, you know, because when I've been to the Cayman Islands or Turks and Caicos mm-hmm. or what have you, mm-hmm. it, it, it's so much more lively yeah. in Jamaica, um, you know, and it, it, it's still to me less Americanized. And and I don't know if you just had a thought about what you attribute that to, especially when you maybe have visited other places in the Caribbean. Um. All I can really say is just like, it's just a place of vibes because I feel like our ancestors in Jamaica just had the vibes and we passed the generation and it's so, it's so strong. That's the only way I could describe it. Like Jamaican culture is so strong and I feel like other cultures are strong too, but there's something about Jamaican culture that's, you know, for it to be such a small island and, and for it to have such a big impact on the world musically, culture wise, you know, a lot of the things that we're doing come from Jamaica, you know what I mean? Um, Hip hop started in the Bronx mm-hmm. by uh, the child of Jamaican immigrants because of the, you know, speaking on, on the tracks came from that Jamaican way of like DJing back in the days and then they brought you know there's so much different stuff beauty beauty regiments things like there's so much things that have affected the world that came from out of jamaica bob marley you know reggae music people like you know reggaeton came from reggae like there's so much different things it's just a strong culture and even if you wanted to go back further than that when you think about if you want to go even more historical um you know and just the slave trade and how they would bring you know some of the <laughs> you know, quote unquote, you know, wild their slaves to uh, Jamaica and, yep. and what was going on back then and Queen Nanny. And I just actually watched a um, documentary that was done by a, a Jamaican filmmaker. It's actually based, he's based in the state where I live and went back and looked at that. And I had no idea about her. And I learned a lot about, um, you know, uh, what happened with Jamaica and, and, and bringing slaves through that documentary and, and just how she would lead people in, in, in the mountains, in the blue mountains and things like that. So found that very, very interesting. Um, yeah. when we're talking about energy, um, and just how it's influenced you from an inspiration standpoint, one of the things that I also saw is that you did spend some time in the New York fashion Institute. Um, so what was your original thought about, you know, maybe being a designer versus a hairdresser and where did that divergence happen? I think for me, um, I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology, um, graduated from there. I was interested in design when I was younger, but as I got older, I realized that hair design is actually my real calling. Mm. Just the construction of putting something together or coming up with the idea or rendering it. I think the process is similar. It's just a bit different. Um, I've always loved the construction of clothes and what it takes to make clothes and, you know, the thought process behind putting collections together and stuff like that um, for me. But as I was studying fashion, I realized that my love always have been hair and fashion and you know now i'm a hairstylist working in fashion so you know i was able to luckily be able to be in a space where i can you know appreciate both in this world um you know do you ever read do you ever rethink that like when you look at a lot of the you're like (laughs) when i look at some of these designers and how jerry lorenz obviously just did his thing so did you you ever rethink that yeah of to work with the designers but now i love what i do Mm. i 
what I do more than anything else. So do I ever rethink about going back into design? No. <laughs> and why do you say that so definitively though? Is because it because, yeah. Of what I do so much that mm-hmm. I, uh, question about going back into clothing design at all. No. Interesting. Okay. Because I'm a big clothes whore. So if you ever decide to go through there, you know, I can walk (laughs) in your first collection. I haven't even got to try to get my little invitation to the Met Gala yet. Huh? What'd you say? (laughs) I said, you never know. I might do a collab. You never know. Do a collab. Listen, you know, uh, I'm definitely all for it. Um, So I wanted to ask you to... what do you consider your big break then when it comes to your hair experience as far as, you know, really what collab or, you know, what instance, what project, you know, puts you on the map? I still feel like I have a lot of work to do. Um, so when I hear big break, I don't know if that ever really connects to me. Mm. I had to think about what was very important and realizing, oh, wow, what I'm doing is affecting people and touching people. I would have to say definitely um, working with the celebrity kinds that I worked on. It's been really, really rewarding working with Beyonce, working with Solange, working with Dua Lipa, working with Rihanna, working with uh, Megan Thee Stallion, working with Erica Badu, and working with Mary J. Blige has been such a such an important part of my development as an artist because these are all women that I love before doing this mm. um, or were fond of before doing this and you know it definitely you know watching their hair watching their style watching the way they dress definitely influenced my personal style of how I do things so it's good to be able to you know work with them and feel like wow Juari you're really you're really doing what you set out to do. So that's good. Well, that sounds very modest and all. You just mentioned a (laughs) whole bunch of A-listers, but I mean, there has to be a time working with any of those people that you just mentioned where you notice at least somewhat of a catapulting as far as your exposure, you know, you know, working, it led to other references and leads or something like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, working with them has definitely catapulted me and put me in front of the public. I and you know I had to realize one day oh shit you're actually really dope at this because this is something that came to me naturally so I didn't even know you know what being good at it is because I just thought this was just what I am mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it definitely opened my eyes and, and made me realize yeah Joar you're really good at this yes I love that dope <laughs> pop the collar moment yes I'm really dope at this yeah but I, but, but listen I, I I am a journalist by trade I'm, I'm gonna push you a little bit there moment because I feel yeah. like you're still being humble and you're like yes they all kind of put me on the map but I, I'm, I'm trying to get you to tell me the one instance the recollection that you had where after you impressed this particular celebrity then things you know exponentially change for you in terms of people calling you and recognizing your work i think it was the first uh british full cover i did with beyonce mm, okay so tell me about that when was that that was 2020 2020 yeah okay Okay, and what and what what cover was that, and what look did you do, and all that other stuff? We did a we did a lot of we did a part in the middle, a lot of volume, and we did a very very blunt. I know it. I remember that one. Okay, see, I know that look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like 
that for me was like, okay, yeah, this is this is it. <laughs> awesome. And then so did you guys obviously talked about that before and she was all good or it was about here are my ideas and then she signed yeah. on. Yeah, there was a lot of going back and forth about um, what we wanted to look like. And I think I presented some stuff in a mood board and they loved it and we went with it. I love that. One of the things that you we were also talking about how sensitive hair is to you really quickly. Um, I wanted you to explain some of the inequalities that you see in the hair world based on your experience that kind of touched you based on your observations as you flow through these different projects that you feel like just your insertion in the industry has helped to, you know, kind of fill that gap, especially when it comes to Jawara um you know black hair care and taking care of you know the the person of color client maybe versus a woman who is not and then i can even go into my experiences in my own tv career with that as well well yeah. I, you know when i was an assistant in this fashion world i realized that there was a lack of care or a lack of education a lack of just even excuse my french but giving a fuck mm -hmm. about, you know models with black black models with um, hair, black care, mm -hmm. hair, uh, 4C, all the way. No, even some models with three type three hair. You know, um, it was just there wasn't there wasn't any charisma. There wasn't any care, and um, you know, so I got really cool with a lot of the black models early on in my career because I showed up and know how to do the hair in a way that I think a lot of people weren't really doing. So for me, I in my career, I've been able to try to use that to change, to hire more people of color, to hire more black people on my teams, to make sure that, you know, there are a lot more people that understand that hair, to, to teach people who are not black how to do black hair. Um, just Cause so what was Because what was happening before? Like, it's just like, their hair just wasn't getting done properly. There's tears behind the scenes. Like people just not yeah. caring. People would not know what to do. People would see models come in. And, oh, she looks great like that. And it's like. No, she doesn't. And then everybody else is getting done. And the black girl is in the bathroom doing her hair by herself. And, you know. Or and, paying to get her hair done before her. Before. I mean, don't even get me started. Oh, and yes. I was, I was one of the hairstylists that was in the hotel room doing their hair before the shows. Um because they were like, I don't know who's on the team tomorrow. You know, like it's 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 been a long road. I do feel like things are getting better, but not as fast as not not as good as we'd like it, not as fast as we like it. So hopefully in the future that change. Yeah, because that my, you know, uh, I'll just say among my experiences in my past, I don't single anything out, definitely felt that, you know, it, when I felt like some of my colleagues got to arrive fresh out the shower with their hair wet and just getting to go from that all the way to being done. Yeah. I could, Jawara, I could never no. show up I with my hair wet at any TV job or any job and go from that to get, getting done. <laughs> Well, then it's also like, I think it's just, it's also up to these media outlets and it's also up to these fashion houses and all these people to start hiring people who know, you know, hiring hairstylists who know how to work with all types of hair, black hair, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's, I've definitely stuff seen a little bit of a change in fashion, but I would love to see more. 
Yeah, there was a, a big moment. I won't, you know, say her name, but you know, one of my past colleagues, I remember where she had a front lace uh, wig on and the part was just splitting really badly and they didn't know how to fix it. And, yeah. you know, she went on the air that way and the moment ended up being, you know, viral, which, you know, for that word to many means entertaining, but it was very, very hurtful. No, it's you know, her. Yeah. for her. Yes. And, yeah. you know, and sometimes I, when I, I remember Dwar just saying having needle and thread in the makeup room is so important. And, and I remember the response was, well, we don't have time to do a weave, but I'm not talking about a weave. No, I'm no. talking about tacking things yeah, up so tacking. that things aren't hanging and falling off and just not even knowing that. Yeah, but I think, uh, but I think that but I think that in our culture, in our hair culture, that's such a that's such a important thing to just have and you know what i'm saying is I, I really feel like hairstylists who have not worked with black hair or people who have not worked with black hair need to understand that you know we learn all types of hair and i think it's important for people who aren't black to learn our hair as well but um just the just just the basic things that we need and products and, and having products. the right products having the right or hair tools black hairstylists yes things to work in these rooms to work in these spaces you know um so people could feel like their best and do their job the best way they can do it i mean i don't i could just imagine as a journalist you not feeling right before the camera starts um or not, or not a Jawara, not just not feeling right but all the extra angst and time yes. that you're taking to yes. try to get yourself right that then is then taking away from your presentation yeah on the camera nationally yeah. and then you're showing up and you're looking rushed and then the impression when you're coming on the set is oh she's never ready she's rushed no yeah. i i am ready i'm spending 15 20 minutes doing other stuff that i shouldn't have to be doing yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you understand it's some of my trauma coming back i'm sorry <laughs> no, 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 no 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 it's a very traumatic thing and it, it, like, that's why i think hair to us is, is connected to a lot of trauma because we have been through some traumatic things as it pertains to our hair. Um, so that's another reason why I feel like, you know, it's a really, really important thing to discuss and speak about. But Jawara, what's deeper than that is also when it's not working and you're frustrated. And to me, this is important. And I feel like people who see this will connect to this part of the conversation too, especially for black women or people of color, whatever associated tropes come with that, is then if you are talking about that, having a conversation about that Jawara is being then labeled difficult. <laughs> yes, 100%. Uh, is that a whole sermon with just saying that one mic drop sentence right there? Sermon, a hundred percent, and it's like I just think it's terrible. I think yeah. it's, well, that 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 that's where it goes. Um, everyone else can say have an objection, but the minute you say say anything, you're difficult. I have to just take that in with some fans. Right? <laughs> I just have to take that in because the last thing I'll say about that before we move on, and I just have a few other questions for you here, is just that I do remember a response being at that time, hey, you know, let's take our hairdressers and on a day trip, on a field trip, and then take them to your hairdresser in New York. I, I used to work with this hairdresser. Her name is Amoy uh, in New York. I don't know. Do you know Amoy? Yes. 
I love Amoy. Amoy, yes. I used to go to her for years. You know, oh. see, we're in different states now, but uh, Amoy was doing a lot of my hair at the time, oh, some of these times that I was talking about. And so they were, you know, she was offering to come and work at, you know, the network and, you know, kind of teach everybody. And it was like the circumvention. And they're like, hey, let's just go to her and, and have our hairdressers go to Amoy for a day. And I was just like, I, I appreciate the gesture. Okay, let me acknowledge that. But also these are people who have been amassing these skills for years yeah, yeah. and you're not going to get it in four or five hours. No. What do you think about that? Um, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I don't even know what to think about that. <laughs> now tell me, please, whatever is coming to your mind. Because like, can you imagine if I was calling you Jawar and saying they want to bring everybody to you and come watch you for a day? What would yeah, be your thought? I think, I think they underestimate how much we do to hair and, and how much we, the process of what hair is to us. It, we do so much to hair. It's not going to happen in a day at all. <laughs> not, no. <laughs> no. Well, speaking of hair, tell me what you feel are, especially as you go to runway shows in Milan and Paris, just came back from fear of God, are the latest trends? Uh, you know, I got my hair, I, I tried not to make it look too messy for you, you know, my little I, middle part. What's the latest trends right now? I'm into this whole putting leather and suede into the hair. Really? Where are you seeing that? Is there an example of that I can pull up? Yeah, I made it up. Um. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and where is it on your Insta or, you, or is this in your head right now? Fair God show, and I think that it's really, really cool to kind of, um, you know, play with like different textures and trimmings and ribbons. And I think that this summer people should just have a bit more fun with their hair, you know, try some accessories, go to Michael's and buy, you know, some things that you would never do. Like just try like some. A, like a boho look? Is that what you're talking about? Not necessarily a boho look, but it mm. could, you know, it could be structural. Yeah, maybe a boho look. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. What about these waterfall locks? Have you seen those on Instagram? I feel like I'm seeing more of the the locks uh, with the with the curly hair. Have you? I don't know if you. I've been seeing that in braids too. Yes. In braids with a lot of curly hair and a lot of like wavy hair, and I like that a lot. I think it's pretty. Yes, there's a girl out there doing it uh, in Arizona, particularly. Uh, last couple here. How would you say your style has evolved in terms of where you were as a young man getting into hair in Jamaica all the way through now? How would you describe that? My style has definitely evolved. Um, I think it has a lot to do with me traveling a lot as well. I think I take on a lot of the things that I see and implement it. I still definitely have uh a strong jamaican background in my style for sure but i mm. think it evolved and i'm becoming more a man of the world um so i think you kind of see that in my work for sure like it feels more international is that what yeah. you would say yeah. it feels a bit more international and outside of jamaica what is the nation that you say or place that most where i i uh the continent i just i'm very inspired by it what's being done in Africa with hair. It's incredible. But also I think just African cultures period have always been. Are you talking about braids? Like what do you mean by African culture? About all different, everything came from Africa. Dreads, braids, all of that stuff all came from there. Um, you know, and just like what they're doing with crocheting and needles and uh, threading the hair, stretching the hair, there's so much different stuff. I think. It's just saying braids is such a small aspect of what 
mm. hair is being done like what what kind of hair do you be done in africa like we get a lot of stuff from there and a lot of people don't know that so you know mm-hmm. i think people their research but yeah africa has definitely um influenced a lot of my techniques for sure well i just want to say um you know, you are a multi-hyphenate and you have done iconic covers for Vogue, Bazaar, Vanity Fair. We mentioned that you work with Beyonce, Rihanna, Iman, Erica Badu, Bella D, Tracy Ellis Ross, Naomi Campbell, Mary J. Blige, and all of these things. As we talk about some of these covers, because people are going to be looking at the various um you know, uh, just major covers that you have done. Um, you talked about the look from Beyonce with that blunt bob, but uh, can you just maybe talk through really quickly just some of your favorite cover moments that you've created out of some of that I've mentioned? Hmm. Favorite cover moments. Let me try to see if I can think about two that I really love. Um, I really loved. Wow, it's hard to think. <laughs> I think I've done so much. Cover. I really loved the cover for Garage Magazine that I did with Mary J. Blige. Um, for which magazine? Garage Magazine. Okay. Mary J. Blige. Interesting. Uh, really loved that, you know, using hair as a band around her hair. It was really cool, I think. Um, I did a cover with Solange Nose for Days Magazine. Okay. Disco, um, where we made these blonde knots in her hair. It kind of looked like ropes and ribbon. Um, Are those on your Insta? Yes. Okay, I have to go through. I'll roll through. Okay. And if I had to think about one more, I would say um, the simplicity of the Rihanna cover. Which one? The Vogue cover where her hair is like slipped back. Just going really simple, really clean. Um, the one that came out last April, she was pregnant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, Rihanna obviously was at Super Bowl and mm-hmm. she had, you know, these iconic, you know, moments at the Super Bowl halftime press conference that we attended, mm-hmm. you know, wearing the, it's a liar, right? That's the yeah. pronunciation. Yeah. He's wearing a liar on the cover too, I think. Yes. Um, we're talking about, yeah. Yes, definitely. And, mm-hmm. and I love that brand. I have a few things from them now. Um, I've and been doing a couple, you know, calls with them in New York or what have you. But um, yeah, I just thought that though that those moments really, really are iconic and you can see your style and your thumbprint, you know, on those. Um, as we get, you know, ready to wrap here, one thing I did want to mention, because uh, I, I do hope to interview him at some point um, uh, about the editor in chief of uh, Vogue UK, Edward Enenfold. Yes. I wanted you to kind of maybe talk about your relationship with him really quickly and Edward. the thumbprint that you feel like he's had just in general as a African-American um, in that title in the industry. Edward has been super supportive of me and all of my endeavors and um, said some really warm things to me when we first met about Bill mm. and what he has noticed. Um, you know, he told me that he feels like I have, I'm, I remember him saying something about me being one of the best tear stylists he's seen in 30 years or something like that. And I feel wow. like for someone like him to say that to me, that will always resonate with me. Um, I think his imprint on what he's done to the culture has definitely changed the way how, you know, we're going to move and think in fashion 
um, definitely trailblazer, definitely trendsetter. You know, I think he's just just an honorable man and just an amazing person. And I'm glad to call him a friend. All right. Well, lastly, you got the Met Gala coming up. Where should we be looking to see all of these mysterious, private, secret ninja things that you can't tell <laughs> us about yet? <laughs> Just look on Instagram. That's it. Okay. Instagram at Jawara W. Yes, I definitely will. And, and maybe you can do a little bit of a style recap. I think we might have... Um, uh, Cameron Newton on the show next week. So we go through these looks at <laughs> and, you guys like what we do. Yes. And definitely listen, I appreciate your time. Jawar, if you can just do me a quick favor and look into the camera and tell us your name and tell us you're watching with undefined with Josina Anderson. Hi, I'm Jawara and you're watching undefined with Josina Anderson. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time and being so gracious with that. And I'll have this up in a few and um, I'll be looking out on your Instagram, okay? Okay, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you, Jawara. Talk soon, okay? Well, definitely want to say thank you to Jawara for coming on and giving us our time. Definitely a little bit more extended. Uh, try to roll through those a little bit more quickly. Um, what I'm doing now is sometimes I can't help myself in terms of follow-up questions and things like that. But very much uh, respect his time and appreciate uh, him coming on. Um, just getting a different perspective of what other people do in their worlds and being brilliant at it and being fantastic. That comment that he received from Edward Enenfall, who's the uh, editor-in-chief of uh, Vogue UK is, is amazing. Also somebody that I hope to meet as well and have on this show. But um, yeah, a really, really dope experience. I am so looking forward to seeing the looks that he does for the Met Gala. And you guys should definitely scroll through his Insta as well. Uh, with that, um, we are going to have another show for the crew. Morris Chestnut will be back uh, <laughs> for our crew show on Tuesday. So definitely be working to put that show together. And obviously this week, the NFL draft is coming up. We'll be covering that for CBS on Thursday and Friday and all that other stuff. So we'll be getting into that as well, figuring what the latest is with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and Lamar and what's going on with the Titans. Are they going to make a move and all that other stuff. So stay tuned for some of my insider um, comments and reporting on that as well. But that'll do it for this edition of Undefined with Josina Anderson hosted by yours truly. Thanks for watching and come back again. Thank you.